0: Fire. Merry meet, dare to
1: more than dabble. All are welcome at our hearth for a little bonfire babble. Bonfire babble. Welcome to the bonfire. Exploring magic with two modern witches. I'm Corey. And I'm Detta. And we are very, very excited to have a very special guest in the studio today via Zoom, one Tomas Prower. Applause noises. Thomas Prower is a graduate of the University of California, Santa Barbara, with degrees in global socioeconomics and Latin American studies. With fluency in English, French, and Spanish, he has worked for the French government as a cultural liaison whoa, throughout South America, with extended assignments in Buenos Aires, Santiago de Chile, and the Amazon jungle. Since then, he has been the External Relations Director for the American Red Cross of Nevada, LGBT Plus Programs Director for Entertainment Productions in Los Angeles, and a licensed mortuary professional in California and Nevada. Currently, Tomas resides in Palm Springs, California, as the Director of Communications for the LGBTQ Plus Center of the Coachella Valley. I always just say Alphabet Mafia anymore or Quilt Bat, which I think is funny. So saying all the letters in that order is very hard for my mouth. (laughs) Hi, Tomas. Welcome.
2: Hello. It's exciting to be here.
0: (laughs) I really, we just want to upfront say thank you so much. Tomas uh, has dealt with the wildness of both myself and Corey the last life. How exciting to have you here. So I've started reading your second book. This is... I have so many philosophical, deep things I want to talk to you about. I could spend probably the next 24 hours talking to you, but I'm not going to do that because we (laughs) want to respect your time. So, Corey. (laughs) That's the first question to kind of introduce you to our audience. And just FYI, everybody, if you haven't listened to it yet and you want to, you can go back to our review of Warrior Magic, which is one of the books we're going to talk about today. And it's absolutely brilliant.
1: Oh, it's, mm, it's, I just want to say up front, I'm gonna get the fangirling out of the way. I really enjoy the way this book is organized and I really enjoy your style of writing. It makes me not want to stop reading. It's, and it's, not often anymore because of my broken adult brain that I can like sit and lose time when I read. I got through like 40 pages of this before I realized I'd done it. And I was like, oh, it's great. So that if I want to jump around and read stories from other cultures, I can I can just change things up if I want to. And I love that. The question that we want to open up with is, would you call yourself a witch or a pagan or something like in between or different or not at all like how would you what's your origin story
2: my origin story is that my mother and father met each other they were in love and yeah then they found me in the cabbage patch (laughs) But, uh, but no magically magically i would not say i'm any of those things i i'm Big on not using labels of any sort whatsoever, and I know that's very much a cop out answer. Very, I'm not anything. I am anything I want to be, but yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a liar, and so I, I I'm, I'm very utilitarian in what I do. I very eclectic. And so if you've read my work around the world books, you know, it's a little bit of this, it's a little bit of that. It's whatever works. If I need to do a spell in this way, if I need to say things this way, if I'm in contact with this deity in this way, does it work at the end of the day? And if it works, I bring it into my system to, to give something of a more concrete answer. If I was to pin down and say one thing, it would probably be that I'm more Taoist than anything. I'm very um, let go. I'm very appreciative of Wabi Sabi and just really having a hands on motivation with the universe. Because the more I learn about magic and the ability to manipulate the natural forces of the world, the more I realize things are actually going kind of how they need to go. The sun is exactly distant from the earth in exact orbit. I don't need to push as much. And if I do, Why do I really need to? So it's very hands-off. It's very equal balance, using nature as an example. But I'm a little bit of everything, which is the cop-out answer. But I'm probably more Taoist if push comes to shove and one answer has to be given.
1: I love that answer, though. I don't think that's a cop-out. I don't either. Because, like, I do say that I'm a witch. That's a thing that I say, that I feel that I am. But in, like, sort of the same way I say that I'm by, but that's just because the actual answer is like bigger, more complicated, more nuanced. So like when it comes to magic, I'm like, I'm a witch, but I do this and this other thing and this other stuff. So I don't think that's a cop-out answer at all.
0: I, I want to dive right in about your book. I started reading Santa Muerta uh, or, or listening last night I went ahead and listened past where it said to stop, do the exercises, and come back. And in two two weeks, I listened for about another 15 minutes and went, okay, I'll stop. One of the many things I loved about the book we've already reviewed, only a warrior has the ability to shape the future, and therefore all of history. Only a warrior can choose peace, since only they have the strength and the capacity, should they so choose, to not be peaceful. You go on and you talk a little bit more about that, about how uh, I'm not going to choose to fight because I'm peaceful. It's not that you're peaceful, you're harmless. Do you believe you can prepare for war and prepare for peace at the same time?
2: I think you can. I think you have to. And I think even if you're preparing for peace, you're preparing for war. Because even, even peace is just, you know, the, the valley goes up and down the mountains. You have a mountain because there's low points in between it. And you have a valley because you have mountains in between it. They both define each other geographically. They cannot exist in separation. So when you have war, you have war for peace, whether it's something very malicious and your end goal is, I want my ideology to be the only thing. It's your version of peace. Peace, like the truth, is very malleable. You know, it's very Rashomon, very what is truth. At the end of the day, it's, it's all the same thing. Because even if you're praying for peace, just by saying I am peaceful, you're acknowledging that there is that opposite of war, there's an opposite of violence, and you are choosing to be the opposite of it, which means you have to have the awareness of it and noticeably be the opposite of it. So nothing exists in a vacuum. So and those two are both the ends of the poles. And it's like picking up a stick. You can pick up the side with all the, the leaves, but you still pick up the dead side. You pick up the dead side of a stick, you still pick up the side with the leaves. You can't separate them.
0: Mm. I've come to believe we have to do both. I absolutely did not grow up in my
1: 20s, raise myself <laughs> in in that manner. That makes me think of Uncle Iroh in Avatar the Last Airbender, the cartoon. How like he's a very kind, sweet person who who wants peace badly, like personal peace, peace for his nephew, peace for his family, peace for the land. But like he used to be a war general. And he still is able to and ready to fight physical battles and emotional battles and like to, to preserve, protect and promote that peace that he wants so badly.
2: It's true. I mean, no one wants peace more than the people who have seen the horrors of war um, and go through it. And it's with everything. And if you've ever been hurt by in any form or shape in life you develop that empathy and you don't want others to hurt in that way because you're so keenly aware of it. That's why, you know, Uncle Hero and everything and his experience, he's known it, he's seen it, and yeah. he doesn't want that for everyone else, just like a lot of people who go to war. So ironically, the most pe- the people who are most involved in war are the people who want peace the most because they understand it. It's the people who don't understand war that glorify it. And like, yes, it's all honor drenched myself in the flag, let's go, pride, glory, greatness. They don't understand what that is. But the people who understand are the last people to do that.
0: I think your book covers that really well in Warrior Magic because you visit all these different cultures and you talk about the way they honor the warrior. And it it is an honoring not a glorification. Mm-hmm. I also love the fact that you brought in the other voices not just yours from those cultures. How did that come about? Was this just because of the traveling in your travel book?
2: It's a mix of uh, um as the american expression goes very very blatantly nothing succeeds like success because this is the because this is the third book in the series of like my around the world around this topic. You know, first it was queer magic and queerness, then it was afterlife rituals and death and da 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 now it's social justice and war. So after you've had a few successful books, people want to reach out to you more. It's a lot easier. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, so this is kind of like my quote unquote brand, even though I say that very loosely, very air quotes, because again, Kirkland is also a brand. So what? what is this <laughs> thing? So I would say going back to Queer Magic was the first one like that. That was tough because I was this kind of unknown name and I would reach out to people and they'd be like, who are you? whatever ignore email or oh maybe but once you have a few successes it's like yes you have people reaching out to you in advance are you writing another book when can I do this it's horrible it's very um you know popular you know with the, the wicked song and everything gets done that way mm-hmm. but for warrior magic I've had the past successes to kind of utilize and build on so it was a lot easier mm-hmm. going back to queer magic though it was a lot of people I knew like Going to college, all these people who came, the international students, reaching back out to them, friends I had made, people I've met on my travels, asking people I've met on my travels, do you know people? Like, that was a very grassroots level one. Um, it gets easier with each book just because success, you know, is built upon success. So the full, that that's how it happens. War of Magic is a lot easier. I had more access and more authority to be... Um, Appreciate <laughs> like, it as bad as that. So
1: people were like, ah, he's been vetted by his success. So I mm. want to be in his book.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the other way of saying that. Yeah.
1: I need to send Marcus a
0: really big present. So- <laughs> yeah, we need to send him like an edible arrangement or yeah. something. <laughs> I feel like we read so much, and yet there's so much more to read. And he's the reason that we found you. And now I am a lifelong fan. I love uh the interviews and the actual stories.
1: It was very, I will say it was very meaningful to me to see other, like the way it was almost a collection of essays in some parts of it from other folks. Like that I was saying, like you don't see a lot of that in any book that's like trying to make any kind of statement or be any kind of authority about the magic space or really kind of anything. So to have somebody actively making an effort (laughs) to include as many perspectives as possible is incredibly refreshing. And I opened it up and was looking through the index and I was like, like misty about it. I was like, this is like exciting. I'm so excited to hear this, this, what amounts to a conversation. I'm excited to be able to eavesdrop on this conversation.
2: It it is very important because it's, it's developing something and then, cause if you're talking about around the world and it's just from my experience, I may have been a lot of places, I may know a lot of people, I may read a lot, but still you cannot know the depths of other people's experience, lived experiences. And rather than, you know, I could go off and just write about it and have it be my voice, but I always felt it's more authentic if these people who are living in these cultures talk about the experience themselves Just push my ego aside and do it. And plus, I through the again through the successes of the books, I have that power to like move the spotlight on people. So it doesn't always have to be me. And then here's this story that needs to be heard. This is what's going on in the Philippines. This is what's happening in the Pakistani um, Indian border right now. Here's what's happening in Indonesia, in Mexico, and it gives you a more authentic spotlight because the book is it's the book is not this is Tomas Prower and this is what Tomas Prower is saying about this and all my ideas. And here it is. It's a bit of me. It's, I mean, the stylistic voice of it is in a narration sense, but other than that, it's other people can tell their own stories better. They do not need need me telling it for them. (laughs)
0: But I love the fact that your voice is there and it's the frame. It's so well-researched and we kind of like that around here. Uh, But it's academic and yet it's really accessible. Uh, It's a really, as Corey was saying, uh, just a beautiful style of writing. So I enjoy being able to hear your voice and almost like introductions to, and here's what's next. And here's what you needed to know before you hear this next story.
1: I love that you said that because it's like you're in my brain. Cause your, your narrative voice is like strong and good and interesting to read and doesn't come off as like, I don't know, pompous or, or self-important. It's just like nice. Like, it's just nice. It's a, it's a really supportive narrative voice.
2: I hope so. That that's what that's why I try to be, because I it could be just because I grew up in Los Angeles. Entertainment, it's everything. Because you can have you can go to a long lecture and it could be the most wise, profound information in the world, but you won't get it as much as you might learn a moral lesson in a 30-minute cartoon. If you're being entertained, you retain that information better. I mean, really, how many how much of our morals and ethics and ideas of viewpoints of the world is shaped by PR, our heroes on The movies, comic book characters, television characters, people we've read in books, these fictional people have shaped more lives than theses and academic papers really have. So if you can get my goal is to have hard theses like information, but presented in an entertaining way that is accessible, because if you're being entertained and it is fun and you can relate to it, you resonate with it and you cannot make people think. But you can make them feel and they remember that resonance feel. And if they need a thing to go back, there's the index. (laughs) Goes straight back for it. But you got to make them feel. Otherwise, it won't last.
0: I read this multiple times for exactly the reason you just said. When I read this, I felt like I was taking a 100 level survey class in college about all these wonderful different warriors and their magic. It was really entertaining. And you are just a really great teacher through your writing. I want to do a deeper dive on these warriors and their culture, more of their magic and how we can apply that now here today in the United States or wherever you're living. If you need that for your personal magic or because your government is turning toward fascism, fighting Russia in Ukraine, we need this magic what exactly was your goal? Was it to spark the curiosity for further study? Or are there actions that you're hoping readers will take and enact in the world because they read your book? Or did you have a completely different objective than either of those?
2: No, my objective is to just present information so that you can go on and do your own research of what strikes you. It's exactly how, how you read the book and it received it, internalized it. That was exactly my goal. So I'm glad that's happening because really the book, it's very one-on-one. It goes over a, a lot. There's a lot of information, but it doesn't go full in depth. There's not enough pages. It could be a giant tome if you went all over the world for that. And this has to be, you know, mass market. So when you do it, the book is essentially a tinderbox. You know, it's supposed to like spark and then has all these wonderful ideas and things, and then whatever catches fire for you, whatever you're using, then that blaze erupts. And that's you get might get really passionate about the activism and the warriorness that's happening in South America right now, out in Bolivia, the way the the Inca Empire did. Maybe for some people, it's in the Congo and sub-Saharan Africa. And if you're because a book. You can't, because a lot of times when you're speaking with people, you can elaborate, you have body language, but this is a static book that's going out to the world and how everyone reads it is based upon their own upbringing, baggage, ideas, viewpoints that they have. So by just making a generic tinderbox, they can read it and whatever sparks them, here's the information, here's more info, go on and develop that fire. And so it's supposed to be a little spark to get everyone interested in whatever they need to be interested in.
0: But I still want your book on Joan of Arc. And then- <laughs> 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 I want to hear your take on those so badly after reading this. Anyway, ahead,
1: Something that uh, I immediately wanted to do the, one of the first things that made me want to do was look up the artistic representations of these, of these characters, because it just did I don't know I was like what do the people of these cultures how how have they made them look how have they personified and portrayed them the deities and legends of the mongol empire section
2: was Uh, like um
1: was it I don't know how to pronounce it but the supreme sky god yeah I was like holy shit that's some cool stuff
2: (laughs) yeah It's it gets intense. And with the Mongol Empire, it's strange how you think about it because you think a lot of polytheistic empires are very here's this god and here's this deity. But here's this one that's kind of they know it's ineffable and they don't really know what the god looks like, the supreme god. And so when they conquer their empire, it goes more to it in the book, but they had a very strong sense of religious liberty because you know, people think, oh, Genghis Khan, just big badass, kill people, murder. Yes, but also when he ruled his empire. He didn't know like, well, these other gods, maybe it's the same God and they just use different names. Maybe we're worshiping the same one in a different way. Maybe it's a different language. So they never saw their God as something unique and we need to push it on you. They were very take a backseat, step outside ourselves, and maybe we're wrong. Maybe it's all the same. Who knows? And so they allowed all these different religions to be themselves and practice themselves Mm -hmm. So much so was unprecedented until the, the founding fathers of the, the United States used that Genghis Khan's example as a way to have religious liberties in the United States. With that said, of course, you know, the founding fathers didn't, you know, people who own people and would be shocked by a washing machine, probably not good for developing things in perpetuity.
0: Not so much. But,
2: no, <laughs> no. But, you know, they, when they were looking for something to build their own empire, they looked to Genghis Khan because it was unprecedented religious liberty.
0: Wow. Wouldn't that be wild if we had that now in the United States?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the Supreme Court's going just the other way. Not that I'm bitter. Yes, I am. Corey, I'm so sorry because I texted Corey today and I said, you are going to love this book. Santa Muerta. I love the fact that she's represented symbolically everywhere so that everybody, no matter what the language, recognizes her. And that they also believed what you were just saying is that, uh, of course, she looks similar everywhere. Death looks similar everywhere because even though we developed our own ideas worlds apart, it probably means the energy is coming from the same place. But we're interpreting it in different ways. How does Santa Muerta fit in with Taoism, or your personal practice? How does how does that work
1: out? Do you mind talking about that a little bit?
2: Oh no! I mean, I have. Oh.
1: You look <laughs> no. like you're in a J.J. Abrams film right now. The lens yep. flare. Yes,
2: Every, everyone who cannot see this, um, I'm having like large sun flares.
1: It's <laughs> so pretty.
2: Yes, that desert sun's yeah. intense. But um, no, I have no problem talking about that. With Santa Marta, Santham they came to me, not, not in any very specific way. the The real lowdown story of that is I was living in Reno and I moved back to Los Angeles. And I have a, I had a very shady friend who, for reasons we left mysterious, would drive around downtown and East LA at night just cruising, mm-hmm. and he would say, "Hey, Tomas, you're back." I'm like, "Yeah." was like let's do something we've never done before he's like hey i know you're into all that darkness and stuff like like that witchy stuff uh sometimes 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 when i'm rolling at night down like in east la i see this place like one of those strip malls right and they they got like this this giant skeleton that everyone's like candles and like lean down to and pray it's wild man it's wild that sounds like you you want to go one night and i was like absolutely because that's how you know we're best friends when you can know me on that level So we know we went and everyone was very not hostile towards us, but everyone was very cold because a lot of these, not every temple runs legally. A lot of them are fronts for things. And a lot of people do not have papers. So when you have me, who looks straight out of Dublin, coming in in the middle of the night in their midnight mass, like going in, being all curious, am I ice? Am I trying to scope the place out? I mean, there's a real fear. It's legit. Yeah. Yeah. So they gave me some very like 90s level zine prints that they made of their own newsletters. And what really caught me was there was this there was the testimonial section, which is all the people in like what they think. think, What are they thinking Santa Muerte for today, this week? And it was all these extremely dour, sad faces, just like people who have been beaten by life on every level. But then you read the little quote. It was in Spanish, but it would amount to. A thank you to La Santa Muerte for giving me hope to live, for continuing another day. Thank you for all these great positive things, but it didn't match the pictures. And so my curiosity was, how on earth are these people who are so beaten by life, finding the ultimate hope, redemption, self-love, everything everyone turns to something greater than themselves for, and they find it in death itself? It seemed very... It didn't make sense to me. And so I talked with people, went into it more, so much so that I got into it. And it aligns to bring it all back around. It aligns well with Taoism because it's very hands-off. I mean, because when you have death, death does not judge. You could be old. You could be young. You could be rich, poor. You could be, quote, unquote, good, quote, unquote, bad. Y'all, we're all going to die. And it doesn't matter. Your morality is not going to save you. So, you don't judge people on any level whatsoever. And the community is like that. And it can get to, it, yes, it can get to extremes. Like, if you were going, if you want to do something like smuggle drugs across the border or you want to find a same sex lover, things that, you know, religions frown upon, Santa Martha is okay with it because she doesn't judge. Do you need to take your gun and, you know, 86 someone out of this universe? She's cool with it. If you're in if you're in a if you're in a war, World War II, she's helping the allies and she's helping the bad guys. She doesn't judge, she takes both sides. But it's that oasis. Yeah, and it's so a lot of people don't like hearing that because some people are like, oh, she's all love and light. She, she's she's yeah. my madrina. She's like, no, no, no. It's it's because she does not have preference for you. Because in dealing with a lot of other deities, there's strings or there's favoritisms or there's things you got to do and maneuver. And here's someone who Whatever you want in this world, whomever you are, whatever you want to be, there is no judgment. There's no praise, but there's no second glances It's the closest thing to unconditional love there is. It's deep Yeah.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, that's the, the Morrigans, my experience with the Morgan as well. And a, a lot of people's experience with her.
2: No, so that's no. And that's exactly what it is, because especially in a you know, very Latino, very Latino, catholic machismo sense you go to god and god's not going to help you do all that stuff god's not going to help you have a profitable night turning tricks you know but she will and then everyone who goes to her has that kind of you know togetherness if anyone's very been in like the goth scene or the punk rock scene it's a lot of people who look very intense but they're the nicest people in the world and they know like we're outcasts you're outcasts we're all outcasts together let's all be in solidarity yeah i pitched a book idea to llewellyn for that got rejected because we don't because they said yeah a rejection letter we don't um do fiction because it was a fiction book but we've been looking for someone to write about la santa muerte do you want to do it so i said okay i can do something non-fiction and that's how that happened but again it's the it's the non-judgment the universe is kind of happening live and let live and let die pretty much
1: yeah yeah that's what it felt like short form question did do you get that fiction book
2: published anywhere? i going to ask that too. No, Ooh. I did not. I,
0: somebody publish this book. Somebody, somebody publish,
1: it. publish
2: it. Please. Um, I did I did not. I've been, I've been on a, I got really into the nonfiction. I mean, you know, Santa Muerte was a big hit. It was a big hit, which allowed me to write Queer Magic, which is kind of like a passion project book I've always wanted to write. And then that led to this other one, and other stuff, and other stuff. Again, success builds on success. So it was just this: I can do this, I can do this. And right now, the iron is hot for that because it's not like, oh, I have my, you know, my brand, and people are reading it. Yes. Yeah, so it's like I'm in the zeitgeist, so I'm rolling with it, and it's doing well. People are liking it, and I'm happy. In the future, who knows? Who knows? But the iron was hot for some nonfiction.
1: <laughs> rolling with the homie. <laughs> <Well, laughs> I haven't read La Santa Muerte yet because Dennis got it. I could buy my own. I'll buy my own. I just got a raise. I'll buy my own. Actually, I, I bought it. Oh, you have the audiobook. I have the audiobook. Well, I'll just buy my own hard copy then. There's something to me I understand like immediately and completely how this being could be like the ultimate love and like the ultimate protector i guess or like comfort because regardless of whether your life is your livelihood for example is something that is traditionally looked down on or or vilified or whether your livelihood is something you know glorified or or seen as morally in the right or whatever like to know that this being is going to comfort the former the same way. But not only that, but it's also going to come for <laughs> the former in the same way. Because death is a universal. Like you said, it doesn't care who you are or how you've behaved, which I love the idea of to me, that means why not be kind? Why not be good? But also why not, why not defend oneself in a fierce and physical way? or magical way, because sometimes striking is the thing you have to do. And sometimes hugging is the thing you have to do. You know what I mean? And there's something like deeply to me. I'm very excited to read this book now. There's something like deeply affecting to me about that. I don't know if it's just my current opinion about men or masculinity or what, but the, like the God everybody always talks about really stresses me out. And I don't necessarily care what he has to say, but like this, this person, this deity, this personification of unconditional, not ambivalence, but like non-judgment and non-attachment is like really speaking to me right now because non-attachment is so important. You're talking all about letting go and things like that. That's a lot of Taoism as well. Yeah but it's also like so hard to find. You can so easily, like you said, there's extremes of it. You could so easily fall into despair. You could so easily fall into like violence and vitriol. You could so easily fall into toxic positivity. You could, so like, it's like a really beautiful, like, um, like those Bosu balls, you know, they're like round on the bottom. You have to stand on top. And try to, like, balance. It's kind of like that. You could, like, wobble in any direction and fall off it. But if you try to stay, like, balanced with yourself and the world around you, like, you won't fall off it.
0: One of the things you say in the book is uh, about the assassins being beloved by her is that because they don't have a choice. So when we go to why not choose kindness, they might be very kind, but they also have – they're fighting to live. Also what you said, Corey. And I think you – address that really well is that something you learned with other people or in reading about her yes. and can we apply that in the United States today I'm just wondering
2: you can I mean I'm all I am I am I am I am unabashedly much more Malcolm X than I am Martin Luther King Jr so I'll leave it at that like but any means
0: necessary.
2: other than that I would say yes you can because you everyone's doing something for their own reasons because everything no matter who you are whether it's something quote-unquote evil or bad or good whatever you want for you want it because you believe that you will feel good in the having of it mm. which is based on your own baggage and perception of the world from the past and everything so there are assassins who are yes who would choose kindness would choose love but this is the only way they can do it and then uh, honestly there are just some bad people out there who yeah. are doing it because they're bad people.
0: That and Warrior Magic as well. It's, like we're always going to have war because there are always going to be people who want it because they want to oppress people. They want to have. They're greedy, and I think you articulate that so well throughout Warrior Magic.
2: It's, it's true because it, wor- it works on both of it. very wonderfully for this show right now with Santa Muerte and Warrior Magic. Mm-hmm. It's Santa Muerte again, non judgment. So if you need to, you know, do something, if you need to not take the high road for a moment mm-hmm. in order to win then that's what you need to do because which is better having a losing, but having a moral victory or winning and having your armor a little dirty and stained. If winning means if losing means oppression and winning means getting the jackboot of oppression off people's necks is the dirt on your armor a little worth it is the moral high road and being able to say, I am, you know, the knight in shining armor. I'm clean and I have tried and I'm at peace with my soul. But it causes so much misery for everyone because they, the end objective failed. Which is which is the better person at the end of the day?
1: Have you seen Serenity?
2: <laughs> I have. N- I don't believe I have. If so, I don't recall it.
1: It's the yeah. film that came after Firefly.
0: The guy who is mistakenly going after Nathan Fillion's char- the lead character.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They just call him the operative. He says
0: very strongly that. He knows he's not made for the world that he's creating because he wants a moral and just world and he's not.
1: He he's doing
0: kill. yeah, heinous He'll things. Kill who he needs to kill in order to get to the world that he knows should exist. And I think that concept of getting your armor dirty so you can have a better world is unfortunately true because I'm so tired of losing and watching marginalized people die and Pay the price, but I won't go down that
1: rabbit hole. Corey,
0: what were you gonna say?
1: Like that, whole, like the the petri dish of suck is being fed, and like I'm so tired of it. And I can't imagine how much it is different for like people whose lived experiences are not as cushy as mine. So not that it's not that it's a competition or a comparison. I just like knowing that and knowing how I'm feeling. I can't even imagine it's, it's
2: true that's that is the exact same um emotional state that actually brought about warrior magic for it because i mean because I, a lot of people are like oh my god this book is so timely which is Technique. unfortunate but also kind of helpful you know like yeah. oh.
0: oh it's been very helpful
2: it's it's one of those books that you hope you never need but unfortunately you need it now because I, I pitched it i think 2018 2019 before Gosh. you know the, in, the insanity that 2020 happened and Because I was just, I was upset and I was angry because I'd be full, full honesty on it. You know, back in 2016, when we went on the darkest of timelines and things started unfolding, I, you know, I was seeing people and I would see, okay, we'd have mobilization efforts. We're going to get together all this stuff, you know, and the women's March, you know, everyone's getting unison, all these pink hats. Okay. Yes. we When do it, we're show it. You know, everyone did it there. They kind of like chanted, they made angry faces and it's like, okay. Now what? Okay. So yeah, exactly. Now what? And then you would hear, I would see all kinds of stuff online. Like we'll show you in 2020. We'll show you, and I'm just like, no, there are people that is extreme form of privilege. There are people who cannot get to 2017. And 2018. Many of them didn't. The, exactly. And many didn't. And I was just like, it's that level of comfort where, we live in a strange era where we can watch the world burn from our, from our, from our sofas sitting on comfortable TV on our little phones, watching the horrors of the world. And we say, oh no, as long, you know, oh, well that's happening out there. Let me keep my internet. Let me keep my coffee maker. Let me keep my new air, air fryer that I bought to keep my comforts of home. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. It's that selfishness of not willing to sacrifice a little bit of comfort for the greater good. Cause there's more of us, there are more of us than there are of them. It's just that people don't want to be uncomfortable. And I would go through all the magic books and they would just be like, well, let's, or even magical people who are talking, you know, they shall remain, <laughs> remain nameless for this, but well, let's do a calming spell for all these people who are doing protests in 2020. Let's, let's calm them. They're feeling sad. I'm like, no, no, you don't need their voices dampened. They, you need to elevate that. You need to do the power you need to give. And I just did not see that. So I was like, look, I am upset. I'm angry. I'm not seeing any books on this. I'm going to use my quote-unquote brand of around-the-worldness to show how magic and revolution and social justices have been successful. They can be successful now. This is how our brothers and sisters around the world are doing it, who are in all sorts of levels of oppression. We can do it here, too. Yeah. I
0: literally just made a post today. Today is June 23rd that we're doing this interview on being uncomfortable and being uncomfortable is different than being unsafe. Yep. And I've taught that for forever in acting class that you have to do that or you're never going to you're never going to break through to that next level. And sometimes in, in our world right now, I think I think we probably are going to have to put ourselves in places that are also unsafe. But if you can't get to the uncomfortable, you're never going to commit to doing the next step. So yes. Yes. And yes, privilege. We lost a lot of people.
1: White women, for example, are only realizing certain layers of misogyny or sexism or oppression in that way because their comfort had been prioritized and like facilitated. Whereas like more marginalized communities, black women, indigenous women, Their comfort was not prioritized. So they had more reason to push back than white women who, historically speaking, uh have have sort of held things back because they're not uncomfortable enough to push forward. And I'm speaking, of course, in general terms. I'll
0: take it Um, further and say white women in the Bible belt. Oh, good Lord God.
2: It's absolutely true. I mean, it's it's and that's why all the all the revolutions have always been started really by. The most marginalized people, like you know, as a as a as a queer person, you know, we have queer rights because trans women of color threw bricks at cops. Yeah, in our world, even today, like if you are, like, 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 uh, you know, a gay man, if you can pass as a straight white man, it's a lot easier, and you have a lot more advantages in life. So why not? The question, you know, internalizes why would I not go for those advantages? Why would you not do that? Or do you want to step out the comfort zone, help others and say, no, you know, I'm gay, be publicly out of the closet. You do become a target. You do lose some of the access that you have, but it helps. If everyone did that, it would not be such a big thing. And, but you have the people, like you have like, um, a queer black man, extremely effeminate. He can't hide that. He can't, pretend to be it's he because he cannot pass because you cannot be what they want you to be you can't you know fight or flight you can't there's nowhere to run to you have to be yourself which makes you have to fight back and so most marginalized have been the leaders and everything i mean even the elections in georgia you know the 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 black women getting it out stacy abrams happening it's the people because there's no other alternatives going back to santa muerte They do, they cannot go to God for help. They cannot go to the Justice Department. They do not have money for doctors. So they go to Santa Muerte because this person's going to help them out. It's what they have. So the marginalized have been the leaders because they've been forced to be the leaders. They have no other option.
1: I'm reminded of the uh, Zoot Suit Riots.
2: Yes, 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 yes.
1: God.
0: Also, a beautiful, disturbing film with Edward James
1: Almost. So good. Watch it. When I think of La Muerte, I think of the movie, The Book of Life. Did you see that movie?
2: Not seen The Book of Life, but I'm I'm very aware of it. Okay.
1: So Book of Life came out and I loved it. And then years went by and then I saw ads for Coco and I got like really defensive and like protective. I was like, Book of Life already did this. They're very different stories. They're very different. They just aesthetically look the same because- Dia de los Muertos looks the same because it has a very distinct vibe. But Book of Life talks about Sibalba and La Muerte and the way they like to like make deals and like play games with each other. And she is so beautiful, which I think is important because death is such a thing that is like feared. People are constantly in the pursuit of extending life, which is like, I get it. But like a lot of that comes from a fear of death. <laughs> I just think that's important. And I think that if you have time and you want to, you should enjoy the movie, The Book of Life, because it's very, very good.
2: I'll, I'll have to look at it. I will say this, uh, as a Santa Muerte devotee, I have seen no film except this one, which I'm about to say, that really epitomizes my relationship with La Santa Muerte and my idea of her, not visually, but in the way the entire the character is, and it works. You know, coincidentally today it's a Bob Fosse's birthday. But Bob Fosse's 1979 film, All That Jazz, and you have Jessica Lange playing Death. That you want to see that? That is my that is La Santa Muerte from a, a devotee's perspective right now, right here. All That Jazz, 1979, Bob Fosse, the character of Death, spot on.
1: Jessica Lang is such a power. Yeah. She's incredible. When I was little, I was like, I want to be Catherine Zeta-Jones and I want to be Jessica Lang. <laughs> That's what I want to be when I grow up.
0: <laughs> Are there any books that you're working on that you're allowed to talk about of new releases? Are there events coming up where people can go see you if it's safe enough? Uh, any big concepts you want to share with the world uh, of our listeners that is right now?
2: I will do one of each really quickly. Things going on, there's always something going on. I I do like to say I don't like to talk about it. I work under the pressure cooker system where if I talk about it, I feel like I'm being productive when all I do is kind of talk about it. Mm -hmm. But when you have a deadline, I need to like not talk about it. So the only way I can get out of my system is hands on the keyboard, pumping it out. Absolutely. That keeps me in check. So I don't, it's surprise, stay tuned, all that jazz. Uh, all that jazz. Exactly. All
1: that jazz.
2: <laughs> but anyway, number two, um, yes, events are happening. I know things are always getting scheduled. And because of the, the darkness of my books, a lot of stuff tends to happen around October. Right now, I do have scheduled virtually I think, the Salem Witches Fest, which is happening the first weekend of August. I think I'm presenting on La Santa Muerte on that, whoever wants to know more. And then if you are in person in New Orleans mid August, it's my first time at Hex Fest where I'll be giving a presentation on, I think, La Santa Muerte, queer magic, and probably warrior magic, too, for the very first presentation on that. If you follow me on social media, I'll keep you updated. It's my name, Tomás Prower on everything. Very simple. And any last ideas, concepts, yes. Especially with warrior magic, because I get a lot of people who are very like, they don't want to fight or, you know, they don't, they don't want to get on the front lines of protest. I understand that. And I'm a big fan of um, Dungeons and Dragons and TTRPG games. So what I say is, you don't have to be the warrior. You could you could take all sorts of different. What you it takes a whole team. You need the clerics to heal. You need the bards to sing the songs and boost people up and tell the stories. You, there's all there's the who do the magic, the sorcerers. You don't have to be the person on the front lines. Find what your strength is and use it in the good fight because it takes an entire party, not just a bunch of warriors. Find the way you can warrior and that's the best. So there's always something you can do no matter who you are or what you're into.
1: A party of tanks is not going to get it done.
2: (laughs) No, no, it's not.
1: A party of barbarians is not going to make it happen. (laughs) But Uh. also for that matter, a party of very squishy wizards is also not going to make it happen.
2: (laughs) It takes all kinds. We should
1: play. We should play (laughs) sometime. Well, Tomas, I adore you.
0: And (laughs) I have been really inspired by you. And it's informed my social justice work and my magical social justice work. So thank you very much. So and thank you for joining us. I'm so glad it finally happened. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being so gracious with us. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for coming. Oh,
2: thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for thanks for dealing with the, the technical issues and getting oh. be patient. It's
1: this today you.
2: truly was nothing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we cannot tell you. We have felt cursed. I did so many spells around making this new entry into interviewing because now we've got another what five interviews? So like five interview schedules. Yeah. That are like, and I'm like,
1: please, goddess, whatever we're doing, make it stop. <laughs> It feels like it feels like someone is actively like hexing our computers or something. It's just, it's been whack. <laughs> so this
0: was truly oh. nothing. This was cool. Wow, well, thank yeah. you so much. Mm. And you're a doll and a hammer. Yes, what so. a
1: great conversation. I could talk to you for like ever.
2: That was oh. fun. I, I had fun, I had fun. Uh,
1: Have fun. a great night, don't melt. Yeah, really.
2: Oh no, some like it hot, some like it <laughs> hot. I'm fine. I moved to the desert for a reason. I am just fine.
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) Wonderful.
2: I'll I'll leave you two to it, but it was wonderful.
0: It was wonderful to meet you. So nice to meet you. Thank you. Corey, let's throw up some sparks. So our sparks today are all Tomas. Yeah. Queer magic.
1: Which I am so excited to read because I have it in my possession right now.
0: Santa Muerta, y'all, is so good, and it has some exercises in it, which is why I had to stop reading it. The narrator's okay for that book. I, I think I need to speed it up a little bit. They get mm. to a teeny bit stilted sometimes. Sure. Not quite as bad as William Shatner, and very listenable. Still a very listenable narrator, don't get me wrong, if you like to to listen. It's so powerful you are gonna love it when you read it and you look at all the symbols that he, he talks about in the book, they're very hecate or ecate and and just as I was thinking that that's when the phrase came up a lot of different goddesses of death appeared all over the world and nobody thought they were stealing from each other because it all comes from the same source. Ecate shares a lot of the same symbols that Santa Muerte does. So I, I'm just so excited for y'all to read. So we'll, we'll link all of his books. And like he said, he's got this around the world series, which starts with queer magic. I believe the next one is the death
1: book. I believe so. Yeah. uh, And, and then this, it ends with this one. Warrior magic. His writing style. I enjoy it so much. I'm really sensitive to like self- importance and self-aggrandizing when I'm reading authors anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really sensitive to it. And there is none of that. Not even a little. There's a very like humble participant vibe Mm -hmm. about it. That is just very good. Yeah. Yeah. But knowledgeable, so knowledgeable. And like that is said, so well cited. It is, but you don't feel like it.
0: You know what I mean? It's not like reading a textbook. No. It, it, and that's my favorite kind—the ones that are so well cited. I think actually Mortellus does that really well. Does a lot
1: of good citations. Yeah. yeah. And
0: I do. You have to wear black, but also keeps it really accessible. I love it,
1: and I'm yeah. just smitten with him.
0: I'm just after that interview. I'm even more smitten with him. Yeah.
1: We definitely. Yeah. He left, and we both went. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Total total author crush going on. Yeah.
1: Total adorable, wonderful, smart, eloquent, wonderful human. So we'll link all that in, in the show notes and in the bio. We have a pretty exciting meeting tomorrow yes. about a pretty exciting thing. Oh yeah, which
0: will be announced. But so. it's going to be fun. Well, everybody, until next time.
1: Be well. Act with intention. And don't forget, that you are magic. Excellent day. Thank you so much for listening. Please, if you are so inclined, follow us on our socials, which is Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Bonfire Babble Podcast.
0: You can also follow us or join us on Patreon at Bonfire Babble Witches on Patreon and our website at bonfirebabble.com.
1: If you're into snail mail, you can send us that at P.O. Box 16341 Seattle, Washington. 98116.
0: And if you want to do that electronic thing, we're at bonfirebabblepodcast at gmail.com.
1: Please also, if you have a moment, leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It helps us out. It also helps other people find us. Yeah. And if you do it on Apple where you can actually write something,
0: we will shout you out your name. Thank you again for listening. Bonfire Babble podcast recognizes that we live and record on the traditional lands of the Duwamish tribe.
1: We honor their past and present stewardship of the beautiful land and the life-giving energy they provide.
0: To learn more about the tribe, go to realrentduwamish.org.